0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Startup Operator Roundup. I'm Roshan Karyapa.
1: What are you doing? Well, last night, you um, read this fact that our tongue does not really rest on a lower jaw. It rests on the upper jaw.
0: Fascinating. Can we get on with it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, hi guys. I'm Gunjan Sa, and Roshan and I, together, we break down the biggest highlights from India's growing startup ecosystem. If this is the first time you're tuning into the channel then please do consider subscribing to it for regular updates. Today we have some really exciting topics to discuss including some milestone developments for the country. Starting off, uh, last week the parliament passed the landmark Digital Personal Data Protection Bill 2023 that has major implications for both data privacy and data security. We'll also be discussing India's recent signing of an MOU with Trinidad and Tobago for sharing the India stack and a new UPI innovation that has the likes of PhonePay and Google Pay. worried. We'll also look at how Tripura is using blockchain technologies to secure data in the beneficiary management system. And finally, we'll break down what's happening with Dunzo and their new plans to raise $100 million in a Series G funding round. So stay tuned as we talk more in detail about these topics. Um, Roshan, before we jump into these, what were some of your key highlights from the week?
0: Uh, Well, uh, hopefully, I mean, people missed us. Uh, You know, we weren't uh, around last weekend, uh, right? I mean, we took a bit of a hiatus. Belated happy Independence Day to all of you. I hope you guys took the day out to um, spend a moment thinking about our freedoms, uh, which is really precious. I, for one, watched the Prime Minister's speech. Uh, It was very inspiring, I should say. I mean, usually his speeches are a mix between a scorecard of sorts and, uh, you know, some sort of a vision uh, right and the vision statement this time was about uh, India becoming the the third largest economy in the next five years which is again a very ambitious goal we're the fifth right now uh, right uh, but hopefully you know things compound and we get to that uh, you know five trillion dollar mark and you know thereafter. <laughs> One thing that uh, I really liked was when he spoke about demography, democracy, and diversity. Uh, I think that uh, was a very key aspect of his speech and something that is going to empower us to uh, the vision of, you know, uh, becoming the third largest economy as well. Demography, he spoke about how The largest number of people under the age of 30 years is in India, or as he said, Bharat Ma Ke me Hai. You know, I've spoken to Professor Salvatore Babones, a few others as well, uh, right? There is this sort of a correlation between per capita incomes and democracy, and India is perhaps the only country that kind of bucks that trend, uh, right? We have, uh, you know, parts of India which have lower per capita incomes than sub-Saharan, you know, Africa. But we have rule of law, we have democracy, and we have a stable government, um, right? And of of course, think about India's diversity, India's complexity, the vastness of our, uh, you know, Country, right? I mean, all of this is uh, is just uh, staggering sometimes, you know. I mean, and when I think about you know what really binds us, I think it's that cultural and civilizational ethos, right? Yeah, and hopefully, you know, the next thousand years will will be fantastic for us, and we'll lead the way. So, so a lot of optimistic things for sure. I mean, speaking of optimistic, uh, the Chandrayaan mission, uh, you know, had a milestone moment. You know, there was this whole de-boosting that happened with the uh, rover. Uh, right so so first it has to escape um, the earth's orbit then it has to enter the moon's orbit and then you know position itself horizontally and land on the surface. Now, all of this is extremely complicated, right? I mean, uh, I find it hard to get my TV to work according to, you know, my wishes, right? And here is is an object, you know, many, many thousands, tens of thousands of miles away, you know, uh, being controlled by the team here, right? So, fantastic. Hopefully, if everything goes well, August 23rd is when, uh, you know, we will do a soft landing, and, uh, you know, fingers crossed, all prayers with Israel. I hope it uh, uh, goes well. Uh, and uh, more optimistic uh, news, uh, we had uh, Pragnananda, who is a, a grandmaster, right, enter the World Cup uh, semis in chess. And this is uh, perhaps the first time since uh, Anand in a while, right? Uh, so, So that is amazing as well, the kind of Indian chess talent that we have. Uh, And all young guys, by the way, right? I mean, all of them teenagers, maybe in their 20s. Uh, So I think the next, you know, 10, 15, 20 years uh, is just going to be like dominated by uh, all of this Indian chess talent. And, you know, props to Vishwanathan Anand. He has been the torchbearer for Indian chess for a long, long time, Uh, right? And uh, also, um, uh, there's this chess coach called Ramesh Babu um, uh, who has coached a lot of these uh, folks as well. So, fantastic stuff. Overall, I think, uh, you know, uh, it kind of merits the amount of importance that an Independence Day week has, right? So, so yeah, fantastic. I think the
1: topics we'll be discussing in this roundup also kind of, you know, glorifies how much progress we have made. And um, just like how... India right now is becoming a flag bearer for digital technologies across the world. Uh, but before we dive into that, we will also like to call out Capillary Technologies. They completed 15 years. Wow. Right? Amazing. And um, you know, it's a fantastic company, uh, built ground up. They kind of pioneered the entire customer loyalty and engagement space in, in the country. And they have expanded very well internationally and kind of carved out a niche on building customer loyalty through gamification, right? I think that really stood out. So, uh, yeah, huge shout out to the team on this fantastic milestone.
0: I mean, uh, you know, to last 15 years, it takes a lot, a lot of perseverance, right? And uh, I remember, you know, 2020 happened, Capillary primarily served retail uh, at that point. I mean, since I think they've diversified a little bit. But, uh, you know, that happened and, uh, you know, the business uh, was very badly affected. They had to lay off hundreds of people. And I remember Anish, uh, who's the founder, put out a bunch of posts on LinkedIn, you know, talking about this sort of an emotional roller coaster that uh, they went through. Uh, but uh, they've recovered very, very strongly after that. And they have a lot of revenues coming from out of India, also, I mean, uh, US, Europe, Middle East, and elsewhere. So fantastic, fantastic company, you know, uh, 15 years in the making. And hopefully, you know, Another 15, another 30, another 100 uh, to go. So all the best and uh, uh, congratulations on this milestone to all of the capillary folks out there.
1: I think the the capillary team uh, is called captains.
0: Ah, (laughs) interesting.
1: (laughs) Yeah. All right, so let's talk about India's first online privacy law. On last Wednesday, I think the parliament ratified the Digital Personal Data Protection Bill. And this bill regulates how personal data can be used by private or government entities. And it also introduces concepts such as the data fiduciary and data principle and also emphasizes on user consent. Mm. Right now, this bill, before it got passed, it had gone to gone through multiple rounds of iterations. The body was uh, open to comments from the public, but uh, that also had its own uh, controversies. Um, with all the progress that we have been making in the digital front, I think this law was a long time coming. Yeah. But um, I think... Uh, Considerable time has also been spent on deliberating the pros and cons of this. And right now that the law is out, I think we'll be soon seeing a lot of changes happening in the startup ecosystem.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's been a long time coming, right? I mean, I think the ball started rolling in uh, 2010. After the introduction of Aadhaar, there was a court case, uh, a famous court case where, you know, the right of privacy was you know, recognized as a fundamental right by the by the courts, right? And thereafter, you know, this bill has been mooted and has gone through God knows how many amendments, right? Countless amendments, deliberations, and so on and so forth. Wonderful that it finally got passed in the parliament and is now an act. Uh, unfortunate that the opposition members, uh, you know, uh, chose to sit out of this because I think, uh, you know, something like this is so important because we've seen, you know, the amount of digital footprint that each of us have Uh, has grown uh, tremendously, right, manifoldly over the years. Uh, And something that governs that, right, the essence, which is data, uh, is very, very important. So I think two or three aspects. One is that, you know, individuals have a greater leverage in terms of, you know, how their data is going to be used uh, who can use their data and for up to what time for what purpose etc uh, right so all of these folks whether it's facebook google etc uh, they have to reinitiate and they have to ask uh, for consent again uh, right and failing which you know you know as you mentioned 250 crores or 30 million dollars uh, uh, up to which you know the fines can be imposed right and and the the second thing is uh, we have some basic equivalent of a GDPR for instance right Uh, and so if you are a global entity you will be less skeptical working with uh, you know an Indian company right because it's not a free for all we do have regulation we have some uh, guardrails in terms of uh, you know how do we conduct business uh, and so on so it provides a greater assurance to those folks the third thing which you brought up as well is the data transfer and data flow outside of uh, uh, the country uh, right I mean we've we've seen especially you know with everything that's happened uh, geopolitically, how important uh, data is, right? I mean, uh, so so again, governance on that front in terms of what data can and cannot be used and where it uh, has to reside is absolutely important. Uh, there are a few concerns about this as well. I mean, one of the concerns is that there are exceptions that the government has made for itself. Well, I mean, every uh, country, every sort of union makes exceptions for it. I mean, in fact, GDPR itself has about 16 provisions or more. Uh, right where uh, the data can be accessed by the government uh, in in case of national security defense and so on right uh that is what it is and the second concern is uh in the case of rti right no right to information uh and if there is an rti uh about you know a government servant for instance right does their right to privacy override the you know, right to information or not. I mean, again, here are, these are concerns that are being uh, negotiated at this point of time uh, of the data protection bill provides uh, safety for those folks, um, right? And which again, you know, we do have some sort of rights in terms of government processes and public uh, uh, servants and so on, right? So um, so again, difficult, difficult, difficult question for sure, right? And the third is, um, I think the biggest uh, sort of drawback and concern legitimately is the fact that AI has not been addressed, artificial intelligence. Um, now, this, I think, will most potentially be covered by the Digital India Act that's going to come up later, uh, right? But but this is, again, something that governments across the world are grappling with, the consequences of AI, with all of this fake news and all of the manipulation and whatnot, deep fakes and, and so on and so forth. But uh, I think, hopefully, that will be covered under... The, under the ambit of uh, Digital India, so, yeah. Yeah, um, I think a lot of this, the
1: provisions of these laws will keep on evolving over time as, yeah. because, hey, I mean, we had an act which was like more than 30 years old, and we know that technology changes every five years. So yeah, a lot of these rules will keep evolving, but uh, the act also lays down the guidelines for setting up the Data Protection Authority, mm. you know, whose primary objective will be to enforce the rules which are outlined in the in this bill. So yeah, I think the success of this uh, implementation of the bill will highly rest on uh, the efficacy of this Data
0: Protection Authority. Yeah. No, but the other important aspect is, uh, you know, what the minister, uh, Mr. Vaishnav, has said that this will be a digital first design, uh, right? So you you mentioned, you know, that it might be cumbersome for companies to sort of comply and, uh, and so on. But hopefully with this, you know, digital first uh, mechanism, it might be relatively easier, yeah.
1: Alright, folks, there are a lot of videos and content out there which kind of deep dives into the implications of this bill. If you want these videos to come up in your timeline, please like this video so that the algorithm recommends those videos to you. Moving on, last week a memorandum of understanding was signed between India and Trinidad and Tobago to share the India stack which is a set of digital public goods that enable identity, data and payment services. The India Stack comprises open APIs that allows various entities to access and use data securely and efficiently, such as Aadhaar, UPI, EKYC, and DigiLocker. The MOU aims to leverage India stack for joint digital progress, knowledge exchange, and scaling local startup ecosystems in both the countries. Along with uh, Trinidad and Tobago, India has earlier signed partnerships with countries such as Armenia, Sierra Leone, Suriname, and Antigua and Barbuda promote digital cooperation and innovation. You know, I think this is a fantastic news because at its very core, the India stack is uh, set to lower the cost of transactions so that, you know, one-fifth of the world population has access to digital goods and services. And uh, we have seen that how India has, we, we spoke about this, India is now becoming a torchbearer for digital progress. And us exporting the India stack, I think will really help, you know,
0: boost cooperation among countries. What is heartwarming is India's outreach to all of these Caribbean islands and the smaller countries. And that has been a sort of a highlight, especially over the last two or three years. Uh, And, you know, which is why India and, you know, the Prime Minister also has such adulation in these countries. We definitely should help these folks out. I mean, of course, you know, Trinidad and Tobago, in fact, the Caribbean islands have such a large, uh, you know, number of uh, people of Indian origin, right? I mean, if you followed cricket, you know, you know, Shivnair and and Ramesh Sarwan and so on, right? So, fantastic. I mean, we get to uh, sort of road test How the stack, uh, you know, works in other sort of environments. Yeah, I mean, in terms of trade and whatnot, I mean, this uh, will just make it a lot more simpler, uh, right? Uh, By the way, I mean, last week, again, India and UAE uh, transacted in local currencies, right? So India bought crude uh, with uh, Indian rupees, basically, right? So the India stack certainly helps in terms of ease of business and, uh, you know, accessing these markets as well, right? I mean, uh, uh, it creates a kind of an unfair advantage to Indian companies. Uh, And it's a a good uh, exchange if you ask me, right? I mean, I think uh, we've already spoken to, um, let's say, Singapore, some of the Middle East countries as well and so on. So, yeah, uh, fantastic stuff, really.
1: So last week, uh, there's another very interesting development by the NPCI which kind of got the likes of PhonePay, uh, GooglePay and other UPI players uh, worried. NPCI has launched a UPI plugin or a merchant SDK or a software development kit that enables online merchants to add a virtual payment address directly without the need of going through a third party like, let's say, GooglePay or PhonePay. Uh, the UPI plugin means that the payment will happen within the application itself rather than redirecting to a third party if you complete the payment and come back, which often leads to a lot of you know transaction failures. So um, it's estimated that with this SDK, um, the improvement of success rates will go up by 15%. Mm. Now, while the benefits for a user, it's kind of evident, uh, in a recent interview, PhonePay co-founder and CTO Rahul Chari had a different perspective. He says the UPI plugin model does not offer any significant technical benefit. It instead shifts the owners that exists on payment apps today to sponsor bank and the merchant application. Thus, introducing more complexity. Now, this could probably hurt UPI leaders, but um, there's a lot of customers not going to these UPI apps to complete UPI payments, could take away the market share. And that is something the government has been trying to curb on like how quickly these companies have grown. So, yeah, what's your take on this?
0: I think it's an interesting option nevertheless. I don't know how many of them will actually exercise that. Uh, but it's an option anyway, right? And uh, UPI has been fabulous for the likes of, you know, Phone pay, Google Pay, etc. It's the tip of the sphere. It's how they get to access users. And it's been convenient for all of us as well, right? I mean, how many of us uh, just use UPI on a daily basis? You know, a lot, right? So, yeah, it's an interesting option. Uh, nevertheless, uh, I don't think it's reason to worry, really, because I think people will prefer the convenience of an app. But we'll see how it goes. I mean, uh, uh, right now, you know, the, the, the market share is anyway in such a way that you know phone pay has maybe 50 60 percent of the market right followed by the rest maybe it'll even out the market a little bit so we'll see how it goes yeah.
1: moving on i mean wow after a long time we have again blockchain related <laughs> news on the
0: roundup. <laughs> well you couldn't get through 21 or 22 without uh, gunjan saha mentioning blockchain a few hundred times well,
1: so now now blockchain has changed to ai
0: ai AI.
1: AI. <laughs> All right, so Tripura is using blockchain technology to secure data of its beneficiary management system. They have partnered with the NIC Blockchain Center of Excellence in Bangalore for this initiative using APIs. They are using blockchain to verify and authenticate the approved beneficiary lists, transaction requests and details of successful transactions. And Tripura is not the only state. They have joined a growing list of states and government agencies that are using this technology. This includes the likes of Telangana, Andhra Pradesh, Maharashtra, Rajasthan, Karnataka. And very soon, I think, um, we'll be seeing more states adopt because using
0: blockchain technology definitely has its merits. For sure, you know, I think, again, it might be a bit of a unconventional thing to say, but I think blockchain got sidetracked by crypto, right? And in particular, about uh, with all of the price action on crypto, right? Uh, because fundamentally, as a technology, it is really mind-blowing. Right, and the applications, uh, real life applications, could uh, could be tremendous. Right, I mean, in fact, Maharashtra has, uh, has been issuing caste certificates using uh, blockchain authentication, and especially when you look at a country like India, where so much of this is bottlenecked. Right, I mean, there are God knows how many cases with the courts these days. They have a lag, so lag of. I mean, the courts have a lag of, you know, lacks of these cases. Uh, right and uh, more than 50% would be about land records and so on and so forth and I'm sure that a minority or or at least a significant percentage of these cases could be solved by technology rather than you know actual human intervention so yeah I mean I I do feel that uh, you know more people should explore the real life use cases of uh, blockchain beyond the whole crypto aspect of things so yeah this is this is a a very nice uh, development for sure.
1: Alright, so, um, you know, this is a company that you have seen grow. We're talking about Dunzo here, right? Um, lately, Dunzo really has been in the news for not the right reasons. They've been struggling with, um, you know, laying off employees, struggling with keeping uh, maintaining business fundamentals. And uh, most recently, they're facing a cash crunch, unpaid dues, layoffs, and a valuation drop. And they really need new investors' money to survive, They started off as a concierge service over WhatsApp. And then they grew to a logistics provider and finally added quick commerce in 2021. Uh, But all the dark stores that they had set up, they're slowly shutting down one by one, right? Um, The company needs to raise $75 to $150 million of fresh funding to become profitable. And it may rely on its existing investors, such as Reliance and Google, that own majority stake. But they're also seeking for structured debt or further cost cutting. now, well, I, I personally, really love Dunzo for, you know, the amazing marketing
0: uh, team that they have. But as a business, what do you think? Again, we covered this uh, a few roundups back also, right? That a great product and service does not necessarily translate to a great business. In Dunzo's case, you know, the logistics business is very, very, very hard, right? Your your execution has to perfect Right, because the margin for error is very, very less. Right, and the kind of profit margins these folks are also looking at five, six percent, uh, is, is imposes uh, like a huge pressure, uh, right, on the operations itself. So hopefully, you know, Reliance or Google, one of the investors in Dunzo will step in and like, you know, provide them a line of uh, credit. I, I don't know about debt though. I mean, the, the the company seems to be like generating cash, but it's also losing cash. Hopefully they get a bailout of sorts uh, from one of the big daddies, you know, Reliance or uh, Google. Because I do feel that it's a valuable product and service. And I do feel it's a fantastic team. Just, you know, maybe they have to figure a way to, turn over a profit at some point and uh, let's hope for uh, the best, I would say.
1: All right, so for the talk of the town section, we have this really interesting uh, post by Nitin Kamath of Zerodha where he kind of writes about his reasoning for starting Rain Matter, which is uh, Zerodha's, I think, um, investor fund. Uh, He writes, we started Rain Matter in 2016 to support fintech startups working on helping people do better with their money. So far, we have invested 400 crores in 80 startups. In this journey, we realized that having patient Indian investors backing Indian founders is helpful. And um, he also says that good businesses cannot be built overnight, something we learned in our journey. So, we are perennial investors and stick with the founders for as long as it takes for them to build a sustainable business. Fantastic. few things that stand out for me here is um, he talks about patience and uh, he talks about perennial investors, right? And um, yeah, we'd love to get your thoughts on this.
0: Yeah. See, I mean, I think a lot of others have sort of debated whether the typical VC eight-year fund, you know, kind of works for India, right? Because we're creating markets and really, you know, it will require a lot more patient capital. But uh, this is fantastic stuff, you know. I think Nitin, uh, Nitin and Zerodha have spurred the fintech ecosystem tremendously. Rain Matter even uh, started making climate investments way back before it was cool. So it's absolutely amazing what they're doing for the ecosystem. And the, the fact that, you know, I mean, think of all the APIs that, uh, you know, uh, people can leverage of Zerodha, right? That is very, very, very powerful as well. So if you look at the bunch of other small case and all of those other services that kind of leverage i think we're at the tip of something really really great i do think that Zeroda is going to be one of those companies that will outlast everyone simply because of the nature in which they've, they've, they've been built right the founders i have not had a typical conventional journey
1: completely bootstrapped
0: completely bootstrapped to whatever you know how many how many thousands of crores of revenue they're doing right now so Simply a remarkable story, and uh, you know the best is yet to come. I would say. You
1: know, he mentioned about perennial investors, right? And that, and reading reading the blog which he put out over there, he mentioned that ZeroDa started back in what 2012, 2013, and it's important to be at the right place at the right time. And you can be at the right place at the right time only if you're there in the for first for, for long enough, right? Yeah. And Very interesting point. ZeroDa really. Um, lucked out when they witnessed probably what was one of the biggest bull market the country has seen yeah uh, but till they, date.
0: they had to wait uh, yeah. <laughs> seven or eight years yeah the exactly for that right so, so if
1: there were as you mentioned as if there was the a traditional investor route would have taken they probably yeah. would not had uh, yeah. grown to the scale they are today
0: yeah absolutely absolutely
1: all right so coming up on the startup orbit podcast we have some really fascinating conversations lined up So please do let us know who you would like us to feature on the podcast. You can reach out to us via social media handles on LinkedIn and Twitter. Along with that, also a huge shout out to the Bloom Ventures team. They have been super helpful in producing the transcripts of our episodes and sharing the content with you. Please do visit their website and check out all the various insights they have curated from our podcast. Talking about insights, if you want these nuggets to be delivered straight into your WhatsApp inbox, please click on the WhatsApp link which you will find in the description below. So, yeah, I guess this is a very good few weeks, uh, two weeks we had. We had some really positive news. Hopefully, this trend will continue and we'll be back with more exciting updates for you next week. So, from Roshan and I, take care and we'll see you again.
0: Thanks, guys. See you.